Well, good morning, New Life Church. It's good to be back with you all and to be worshiping together on a Friday. Uh, good to see some of our um, travelers back as well. It's good that thankful to the Lord for your safe journey mercies. Sorry about the, the sound on that video, um, but um, Godfrey said that maybe we can play it again afterwards for those of you who want to hear the sound. Um, with our trip there to um, India. It was a wonderful time. We appreciate your, your prayers um, and continue to pray. Please pray for the, the church in Nasik. Uh, continue to pray for the, the work there in India. And hopefully we could possibly have another trip next year uh, for those who would like to see what the Lord is doing there. Uh, but as you know, um, this group from New Life Church uh, we had the opportunity to go and visit India. Uh, there was much to see. There was much to, to learn from. But I think for me, one of the most outstanding moments was the trip we made to the, the Godavari River. Now, the Godavari River is one of the tributaries of the, the Ganges River and is considered by the Hindus as one of the most um, holiest of rivers that has the power to wash away your sins. And we were walking along the banks of this river and we stumbled across a family who were consulting a, a Hindu godman. And the men had their heads shaven, which indicated that they were in mourning. Somebody close to them had recently died, a member of the family. And the ladies were sitting behind the men. They're listening and watching intently every move of this, of this Swami, this Godman, this Guru. And once I looked closely, I noticed that there was a, there was a tray in between the, the Swami and um, the family. And they were, this tray was filled with ashes. And the ashes were from the cremated bones of the deceased family member. And this family believed that this Guru somehow had the power to to ward off evil spirits using these ashes, as well as the power to tell the family um, the, the reincarnated person, the, 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 the new avatar um, of their deceased family member. And I was reminded again, you know, very clearly from our trip that truth matters. Truth matters. And faith has to be based on truth. The object of our faith is so important. It is the essence of our Christian religion. And even though these people were sincere, they were sincerely wrong. They were believing a lie and they were blindly following a sort of witchcraft that would only bring about more pain and, and more suffering to the family in, in the long run. So the content of our faith is crucial it's crucial. Um, sincerity is not enough. And Peter, he tells us that neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, next week we are going to be starting our series through the epistles of John. And John tells us the same thing. He tells us in his letters that God has been revealed in Christ. 
in order to communicate eternal life to those who believe. So today I want us to examine the account about Jesus and his claims that, that he has made, and whether they are true and whether they are, are false. And our religion, our whole faith system, hinges on this very important question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus Christ? So if you take your Bibles, please turn to Luke chapter 2. We're just going to look at two verses this morning. Luke chapter 2, verse 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this morning we thank you for the spirit of worship, Lord, that is amongst us. Lord, it really is a privilege to gather together corporately as a body and worship you. We thank you for this faith family that we can be connected to. But more, Lord, important, we thank you for the faith, our faith in Christ that binds us together. And Lord, our faith is in vain if we do not believe in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. We could be just like any of these religious people all over the world sincere and very good and very moral but they could be we could be lost in darkness lord if our faith is not based on the person and the work of the lord jesus christ so lord i don't know everybody's hearts here this morning but it is a burden of mine lord to to make sure that the gospel is clearly preached so that everybody in this room would have heard the gospel clearly, would have understood, Lord, their sinful condition, and would have heard the good news that a Savior has been born, who is able to take away our sin, who has died for our sin. So this morning, Lord, I pray that you would save the lost amongst us. There's bound to be someone in this room who is not saved, Lord, who doesn't know you, as their Lord and King. So I pray, Lord, you would open their eyes, you would open their ears, you would open their hearts this morning to the truth of your word. And for those who are saved this morning, I pray, Lord, that we would be encouraged and we would be provoked, Lord, to hold fast to this wonderful gospel that is true, that is truth, that has been spoken to us by your Spirit, has been revealed to us through this written word. And we would hold fast, and Lord, and we would be faithful. So minister to us this morning, Lord, through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I read a story from the Reader's Digest about a, a four-year-old boy and his family who were sitting outdoors enjoying lemonade and cookies when a bee started buzzing around the table. And the boy was very upset, and his mother tried to calm him down and said, Nathan, that bee is more afraid of you than you are of him. The little boy, Nathan, 
was very confused. And the mother explained, look how much bigger you are than this bee. And besides, if that bee stings you, his sting is going to fall out and, and he'll die. And Nathan considered this for a moment and then he asked his mother, does the bee know that? Does the bee know that? That is a good question. That is a really good question. That's an important question, isn't it? And we have important questions that we need to make sure that we have answers for. One of the most important questions that we could ever ask and ever answer is, is there a God? And how can we know this God? Is there life after death? Do heaven and hell exist? And if so, where will we go when we die? Now, how can I know for certain about the answers to these questions? And again, this trip to India just made, gave me a greater burden to make sure that we have the answers to these questions. And then we're able to communicate these answers to our friends who are lost in their sin. And at the root of these important questions is a, is a crucial question that every person needs to answer. In fact, every person will answer this question, either now or at the judgment seat. But if you wait to answer it, it will be too late. If you wait to answer, it will be at the judgment. And the question you must answer and respond to correctly is, is who is Jesus? I wonder if you could answer that question this morning. If you're writing notes, put your answer there in your notebook this morning. Who is Jesus? Now, are the accounts about Jesus and his claims true or are they false? Is there adequate evidence to believe these accounts that we read about? And especially, is there valid historical evidence that Jesus arose bodily from the the grave? Now, the Apostle Paul did not hesitate to hang the entire Christian faith on the answer to that one question. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17, this is how... Paul says it, and if Christ hath not been raised, your faith is yet in vain, and you are yet in your sins. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is in vain, and you are yet in your sins. If Christ was dead, and he had not been raised from the dead, we are wasting our time here this morning, folks. If that is not true, then we are deceived people. D.A. Carson, a famous author, a theological student, he said, faith's validation depends on part on faith's object. What is the object of your faith this morning? Faith has to be based on truth. The Bible does not say just believe, believe, and believe. As long as you are sincere, it's all okay. Now, Paul says, if you believe in something, talking about the resurrection, and it's not true, you are of all men most miserable. You are of all men most pitiable. Because you're believing nonsense. Because you're believing a lie. Truth matters. The content of our faith is crucial. 
Sincerity is not sufficient. It doesn't matter how sincere you are or how nice you are. Sincerity is not sufficient. Peter said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. The scripture is saying in Romans chapter 3, Let God be true, but every other man a liar. So if the angels are correct, and if Jesus is indeed the Savior, the Christ, the Lord, the only way to heaven, then all other religions are a lie. That's a very dogmatic thing to say in our day and age. It's a very unpolitically correct statement. But it is truth. And so the question, who is Jesus Christ, matters. It matters. Not who is Jesus Christ to you. I'm not asking that question this morning. But who is Jesus Christ according to the Scriptures? If Jesus is true and every other religion are lies, then the answer to this question, who is Jesus Christ, will determine where you spend eternity. And it will also determine how you think and how you live. You know, Satan will always tempt you with doubt. And that's one of the key ingredients of his, of his attack. He does not care what you believe, as long as you believe a lie. But if you come back to the correct answer to this question, who is Christ, it will be the foundation to stand on as you work through your doubts and as you work through your questions. Now, Satan will also do everything he can to tempt you to sin by believing a lie. And we need to resist his lies. It seems like sinning will bring you happiness and, and pleasure. And he will put these suggestions and, and doubts into your mind. But if you forget who Jesus is, you will probably fall into sin. If you forget how the Bible defines sin and you start believing the lies of the devil and start to compromise, you will fall into sin. But if you remember who he is, you will be able to withstand these temptations. There will also be times when, when you will go through trials, difficult trials. And how do you manage if your faith is not built on truth? It will seem as if God has forgotten you. And you won't understand why these, these different trials happen to you. And you'll start questioning God and His character. And in your grief, you may be confused. But coming back to this crucial question will give you perspective. It will help you to sustain yourself through these trials that you will go through. So it's not surprising that the answer to this question is the major focus of each of the Gospels. Now John, for example, he plainly states that he wrote the Gospel of John so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. Now arguably, 
The identity of Jesus is the focus of the entire Bible. The entire Bible. And I want to examine this question, who is Jesus, in the context of the words of the angel to the shepherds here in in Luke 2. So turn with me to Luke chapter 1. In Luke, remember, he is writing an accurate historical account here. This is not fiction. This is not a novel he's writing to somebody. Look at the context in Luke chapter 1. In verse 1. Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us, it seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have Certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. This is an historical account written as, as Luke says here to help us to be certain about the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. So today I want us to focus briefly on the identity of Jesus as proclaimed um, to the shepherds in the night of, of Jesus' birth. As we read In chapter 2. So going back there, let me just read those verses again. And the angel said to them, in verse 10, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we know the context of that. We've read this many times. Where the angel appears, the angels, the multitude of angels appear to the shepherds who are watching the the sheep in the night. And they are afraid at this this awesome display of of God's glory. And they are afraid. And the angel says, fear not, I've come to bring you good news. And Luke, who probably interviewed Mary... He gives more details to the, to the miracle of the virgin birth than any other New Testament author. And he explains that the Holy Spirit performed this miracle in, in Mary's body. Look at um, Luke chapter 1, in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, in verse 35, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. In this very unique way, God took on human flesh in the person of Christ. This is what we call the incarnation. Carnation just means flesh. Maybe you've eaten chili con con before, okay? That's chili added into meat. Meat is flesh. Carnation. Next time you eat chili con con, remember the glory of Christ in the incarnation, okay? Jesus was born in the city of David, which is Bethlehem, in the flesh. And Luke will go on to show that Jesus grew up as a boy. He gradually became an adult. He matured. And Luke also traces Jesus' physical genealogy all the way back to Adam. 
showing that Jesus was a descendant from David. These are physical, literal, historical people. And all of these historical details mean that the Christmas story is not a legend. It's not a myth. But rather, it is the true account of a life of a very real man. It is based on the eyewitness testimony of credible people. Not just one person, many people. And we need to emphasize this in our day and age. There are many legends around us. There are many myths which people believe. You think of Santa Claus. That myth, that legend has been intertwined with the Christmas story and lumped together. And our children get confused. How is, how is Jesus and Santa Claus connected? And they forget that the birth of Jesus, as reported in the Bible, is a true story. This is not a, a fairy tale, folks. And some people may argue, well, well, who cares if it's history or if it's not? You know, the story about Jesus and Joseph, the Christ child, the angels, the wise men, the shepherds, the, man, the manger, it's very heartwarming. It's a lovely story. It's a tale that children love to hear. It helps people focus on, on peace on earth, at least for a few days a year. So what difference does it make? whether it's really true or not. It makes all the difference in the world, folks. It makes all the difference in the world. If it is just a heartwarming legend, then you can choose to believe it or disbelieve it, much like the tooth fairy. If you want to believe it, that's fine. If you don't, it's also no, no problem. It all depends on how you feel. You know, this is called subjective. It's completely subjective. It's completely personal. It's completely one-sided. It's a decision that's not binding to anybody. If this is just a legend. But if the story actually happened as the Bible records it, then the birth of Jesus confronts every person with real, tangible, objective facts. That cannot be shrugged off just as a personal opinion. And the fact that these events happen means that God does exist. And that He truly broke into humanity. He broke into human history when He sent His Son into the world. The fact that Jesus, the fact that God sent Jesus as a Savior implies that people without the Savior are alienated. They are separated from God and desperately need to be reconciled to Him through the forgiveness of their sins. Now, these facts mean that you don't just believe in Jesus because it makes you feel warm and, and fuzzy and happy inside, or because He helps you face life's problems when you, when you have struggles, or because He gives you wealth when you are poor or because he gives you good health when you are when you are sick or because you like the christian traditions it means that you believe the christian message because it is true whether we like it or whether we don't it is true even if it brings you persecution even if it brings you trials even if it brings you death you cling to these truths because it's authentic, 
because it's history, because it's real. Jesus came to earth as a man to bear our sins. My second point this morning is that Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is not just a man, he is the Savior. And the angel tells the shepherds that this good news of great joy for all people is that a Savior has been born. And that name Jesus revealed to Joseph in Matthew 1.21 by the angel Gabriel means Yahweh saves. Jesus did not come as a nice man offering a, a new philosophy about life. Jesus is not just a good teacher. He did not come as a, as a moral teacher offering some, some good insights, helpful insights on how to live a, a happy life. Jesus came as the Savior of the world. Now recently you may have heard the, the, the news of the children trapped in a cave in Thailand. A group of 12 youngsters from the Wild Boars football club plus their 25-year-old coach went to explore the cave. This happened just in June. But the monsoon rains flooded the cave and cut off their escape and prevented rescuers from finding them for almost 10 days. And once the parents started reporting that their children were missing, News broke out all around the world. And firefighters and military, divers and other rescuers, including the the Thai Navy SEALs, soon swarmed on the the scene. And the news media focused their attention, of course, on the, the desperate attempt to rescue these youngsters before it was too late. Now, those young boys trapped in the cave, they didn't need anyone to give them some ideas on how to live a happy life. They were doomed if someone didn't save them from their death, their impending death. And the most important news that those desperate parents could hear in that situation was that the rescuers had saved their boys. When someone is lost and within hours of death, unless they are saved... And the only news that matters is that a Savior has come who can rescue those trapped people, those doomed people. And that's the good news of the gospel, folks. The good news that a Savior has come, who has been born, who is Christ the Lord. This is the greatest news that anybody could ever hear, whether they like to hear it or not. Because it deals with the most important issue of all, namely where we will spend eternity. And you don't need to believe in eternity in order for it to be real. It will be real. You will face that one day. If you die and you do not have Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will spend eternity under the judgment of a holy God. John chapter 3, verse 36 tells us Whoever believes in the Son, has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. Thank God that in his mercy 
He sent Jesus to save us from this wrath. He sent Jesus to save us from this condemnation that we were trapped in. He came to save us from our sins. Our third point this morning is that Jesus is not only the Christ, so not only the Savior, but He is the Christ. Jesus is the Christ. Messiah is the Hebrew word, and Christ is the Greek word for anointed one. And it refers to Jesus as the anointed king and priest who brings salvation to his people. It's a very unique word, the anointed king and priest. Remember, in the Old Testament, the only two office bearers to be anointed were the king and the high priest. A king could not be a priest, and a priest could not be a king. Those were the two anointed office bearers. But Jesus Christ, is the one who brings both of these offices together in one person. And the title Christ especially focuses on the fact that Jesus is the one. Jesus is the one who fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies about the promised Messiah, about the promised Savior. And he alone is able to reconcile sinful people to God through his sinless life and through his sacrificial death and through his bodily resurrection. He is coming a second time, literally, not to offer salvation, but to judge the world and to reign in righteousness. And since Jesus is the anointed one, since Jesus is God's anointed one, we dare not reject him or his offer of salvation. Jesus is fully human. He is the Savior. He is the Christ. But He's also the Lord. It's my next point this morning. Jesus is the Lord. You know, there was quite a controversy going on a number of years ago, especially in the U.S., where people were happy to make Jesus as their Savior but they were separating his lordship. And they were happy to accept Jesus into their heart and make him their savior, but they were not willing to submit to him as their lord and their king. And I think that philosophy has penetrated much of the world where that same type of teaching is, is now taught in the churches today. And it's still there. People don't understand the Lordship of Christ. And the title Lord means that Jesus is God. That's what it means. It's a mystery, but it is, it is true. This man, Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem, is God in human flesh. Fully man, fully God at the same time. A mere man could not have died for the sins of the human race. It would never have been accepted by our holy God. If there was a corrupt offering made, if there was a blemished offering that was made, it would never have been accepted by a holy God. You know, if God had been an angel, if Jesus had been an angel, or he had been some sort of superhuman being, like we have in our 
movies today. He could not have borne the sins of humanity. But as the sinless God-man, He alone could bear our sins. Have you ever wondered why, why Jesus didn't come to the earth at the age of, of 30 years old? He could have done that. Why did He have to be born as a, as a human being? Why could He not just have appeared, been, been beamed down from the holy spaceship? Well, because He wouldn't have been fully human. He wouldn't have been fully human. He wouldn't have been tempted like we were as human beings. He had to be born into this world. He had to have lived a perfect life so that he could have died a, a perfect death. And that's exactly what he did. He is the sinless God-man. He alone could bear all of our sins. You know, the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons say that, that Jesus is the Savior. They're quick to say that. But they deny that He is God. You know, the Muslims say that Jesus was a good man, but He was just a prophet. And they deny that He was God. The Hindus believe that Jesus was just a little God who could be put on with the rest of the, the 33 million other gods that are part of their pantheon. Now we need to interpret the word Lord in light of its use in the Old Testament and in light of its context here in the Gospel of Luke. In the Old Testament, the Lord clearly is Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. It is used over 6,000 times in the Old Testament, and it refers to the sovereignty and the deity of Jesus Christ. Luke uses the same word in chapter 1, verse 43, if you would turn there with me. Remember, Elizabeth refers to Mary, who is carrying Jesus as the mother of my Lord. She also adds that Mary was blessed because she believed the word spoken to her by the, the Lord in verse 45. In the next verse, in verse 46, Mary breaks into praise and she starts exclaiming, My soul magnifies the Lord. In verse 58, when Elizabeth gives birth to John, everyone heard that the Lord had displayed his great mercy toward her. And then in verse 66, as the child grew, Luke states that the hand of the Lord was with him. When Zacharias broke into praise in verse 68, he blessed the Lord God of Israel. In chapter 2 verse 9, Luke says that the angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And he uses it in, in chapter 2 verse 23 to refer to the law of the Lord and holy to the Lord. These all refer to the word Yahweh. Yahweh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And the angel means that Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary is none other than God in human flesh. And the Savior had to be a man to bear the sins of humans. He also had to be God 
so that his sacrifice had merit before God's holy throne, so it would be accepted by a holy God. And only Jesus is that unique Savior. You will never find another Savior like that in all of the world, in all of history, in all of the legends, in all of the myths. So the correct question, the correct answer to this question that we need to answer is that Jesus is fully human. He is fully Savior and He is fully Christ. He is the Lord God. You know, but the truth is, you can answer that question correctly. And yet, you can still go to hell. You can have all that academic information stored up in your mind. And yet, you can still go to hell. You know, the scriptures tell us that the devil and his demons know the correct answer. They believe. That's what the Bible says. They believe that Jesus is the Lord God Almighty. They were there when He created the world. They were there watching when Jesus spoke and the world was made. They believe. They don't have a problem with that. But they are not saved. Their faith is not in Christ. They believe that academically that he's real, that he is all-powerful, but their faith is not in him. What is the object of your faith this morning? Is your faith in the Christ, the Lord Jesus? My last point this morning is our response. We need to respond to Jesus as your Savior and Lord with personal faith, with a repentance, with a submission to Him. And the angel announces in Luke 2 verse 11 that this good news of the Savior's birth is for all people. But then he gets personal. He says in verse 11, There has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. You must respond. All of us need to respond personally by not just believing the facts, but trusting Jesus as the only one who can save you from God's judgment and by submitting to Him as your Lord and Savior. Now use these shepherds as an example of, of how we should respond. You know, they didn't say, wow, that was really an amazing experience seeing all those angels and then they, they sat around the rest of the night with the sheep. They didn't sit around discussing theology after the angel spoke to them. They didn't say, thanks for the news, but we've always believed this. And then they stayed where they were. No. Now these angels responded to the news by believing what God had revealed to them through the angel. And their faith was then demonstrated by their, by their obedience, by going straight to Bethlehem to see for themselves and then to return glorifying and, and praising God as we, we see in Luke chapter 2. And of course, what did they see? They saw Mary and Joseph and they saw the baby as he lay in the manger. You know, there wasn't a, 
a halo around Jesus like we see in the, in the pictures. And there weren't angels hovering over Jesus as we sometimes see. And Jesus didn't look like a, a savior. He was in a stinky stable. He wasn't in a palace. He was probably dirty. There probably wasn't a, a clean wash basin where he, they could have washed him. He didn't look much like a savior. The place smelled like a barn because that's where it was. There, amongst the animals. And of course, these shepherds, they could have scoffed and they could have stumbled over the circumstances, as many people do, but they didn't. Their faith was manifested by their demonstration of worship as they bowed and kneeled and worshipped the Savior as they were told to do. And so this morning, the question I leave with you is, is what about you? you know, we've received a lot of information. You have heard a lot of facts. But what will you do with this? Will you scoff and will you stumble over this profound message that the baby Jesus, born in Bethlehem, whose birth was announced by the angels to the simple shepherds, is Christ the Lord, a Savior born for you? Will you, will you submit to that? Will you embrace that? Jesus didn't leave heaven and come to this earth and go through the suffering of the cross just to give you a boost or, or a few tips on how to live a, a happy life. He knows our condition. And He knows that we are desperately in need of a Savior. He knows we are trapped in that cave and the water is rising. It's just a matter of time before we run out of air and we die in our sins. Unless... We receive the good news. Unless we accept and submit to the Savior who has been born for us. He alone can save us from the penalty of God's wrath. He alone can save us from our sins. And how will you respond to this good news? And the crucial question this morning we need to answer. Who is Jesus Christ? And once I said one day everyone will get that answer right but some will be answering that question in a place called hell when it is too late the apostle Paul tells us in Philippians 2 verse 10 and 11 that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father this is not teaching universalism. This is not going to be everybody that has ever existed will be worshiping God in a place that is, that is filled with love. People are going to be calling out to God in a place called hell, folks, where there is suffering and torment. They will get the question right, but it will be too late. We need to respond before it's too late. We need to respond before we run out of time. Matthew 25 verse 34 tells us, 
Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For those who trust Christ, we can look forward to those words. For those of us who have repented of our sin and and turned to Christ as our Lord and Savior, we can look forward to those words one day. But to the believer this morning, let me just encourage you. And let me remind you, Satan will always tempt you with doubt. He does not care what you believe, as long as you believe a lie. He will try to tempt you with lies. He is the father of all lies. But the foundation which we stand upon is the truth revealed to us in the Word of God. The truth that Jesus is real. The truth that God has been incarnated into human flesh. And Satan will also do everything he can to tempt you to sin by doubting these truths. By making you think that God is not real, that these are fables and myths. And he will bring you misery if we forget who Jesus is, if we forget the gospel, if we stop preaching the gospel to ourselves every single day and we forget who God is, that he is holy, 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 we will be tempted to sin and to fall for these lies. You know, we will all go through trials as believers. The scriptures promise us that. Jesus told us they will persecute us. They will hate us because they first hated him. They hated the fact that he preached this good news. So confidently, so dogmatically, they hated the truth. And they would rather believe a lie. And the truth exposed them. The truth exposed the darkness. And at times it will seem that this persecution is unbearable. At times it will seem as if God has forgotten you and you won't understand why these things are happening to you. And perhaps in your grief you you may become confused. But let me encourage you this morning. Return back to the truth. Go back to this crucial question that we are asking this morning. Who is Jesus Christ? And let the truth of His Word sustain you through the trials that you face every single day. Don't believe the lies that the devil will put in your mind. Believe that truth, that Jesus has been born, God incarnated, to redeem us from our sins so that we may have everlasting life. Is your faith in Jesus Christ this morning? Is the object of your faith in the revealed Son of of God. Let's pray. Father, I know that there are Millions of people around the world today who are believing a lie, who are trapped in their sin, worshiping their traditions, 
worshipping their ancestors, worshipping their idols, worshipping a lie, a false religion. And the only hope they have this morning is if we tell them about the good news of the gospel. The only hope they have this morning is the gospel. We've got people all around the world today, Lord, who will be trying to earn favor with you by washing themselves in a river, by giving charity, by chanting a mantra, by giving money to somebody or some charity, by even going to church and following a, a ritual still trapped in their sins, realizing, Lord, that we are not righteous and we are not made right by good works. We are saved by faith alone in Christ alone. So, Lord, I pray this morning that you would take your word and that the seeds that have been planted this morning would bear fruit for your glory. There are people amongst us, Lord, who need to be saved by putting their faith in Jesus Christ. They would do that this morning. We pray for those people who are lost in their sins, even amongst us this morning, that they would take this time, they would take this opportunity to make sure they are right with you. As we have heard, Lord, there's no sense, there's no good in just believing a set of academic knowledge there's no sense in just believing facts we need to respond we need to respond in faith and repentance this morning so Lord this morning I want to say thank you for coming to this world to save me a sinner from my sins thank you for dying on the cross to pay for the penalty of my sins thank you for all those this morning who will testify to that same truth this morning, to the gospel that has saved them from the wrath of God. Help us to hold the gospel closely each and every single day and live these truths confidently based upon your character, based on your covenant, based on your truth that you're a God who keeps his word, a God who is coming again. We look forward to the day when we will hear you say to us, well done, my good and faithful servants. But until then, Lord, may we be found faithful, faithfully living the truth, faithfully believing these truths, faithfully sharing these truths with those around us that need to be saved. So do your work amongst us, Jesus, for the sake of your great name we ask and pray. Amen.